And now, the second part of the glory of the Gita. This Gita scripture has such merit that whoever tries to read it completely will be freed from fear and grief, etc., and will attain to Vishnu's highest position. Whoever will recite the chapters of the Gita with the method of breath control known as pranayam will be freed from all sins, even those committed during previous lives. Every day one takes a bath with water to remove the dirt from the body. Whoever takes a bath by reciting the Gita cleanses the dirt from all existence. This excellent Gita, what other scripture can be compared with it? From the lotus of his own navel, the creator came forth. From the lotus of his mouth, Gita was created. That is, from Vishnu's navel came forth the lotus upon which sat Brahma who created all the universe. And from Vishnu's mouth came forth the Gita, which is the song of God, which tells how we should act in this world. All of the nectar of immortal wisdom and light was created from Vishnu's mouth, who will drink from the Ganges of Gita will not know another birth. That's because you won't know another death. You'll just live eternally in one blissful state of consciousness, changing bodies as you need to, just like we change our clothes. The blissful protector of cows, Gopal, has given the cream from the cow of all the Upanishads. Arjuna is he who enjoys that milk, which is the greatness of the nectar of Gita. See, the Gita, is, all of the nectar of the Upanishads has been distilled and collected into the Gita. So the Gita is a compilation. Uh, it's not an original work. He's, he's a synthesizer. He's compiling. He's collecting all the cream from the Upanishads and putting them into the one book. Arjuna, the clarity of pure devotion within us all, is he who enjoys that milk, which is the greatness of the nectar of Gita. There is but one scripture from the son of Devaki, and that is the Gita. There is one God, the son of Devaki. He is one. His mantras are many. Many are his various names. Perform the service of the one God. So his name is Shiva. His name is Chandi. His name is Durga. His name is Shrima. Do you have any questions about the Gita Mahapnya? There is another version of the Gita Mahapnya which is 187 verses long. Uh, this is the abbreviated, abridged version. Uh, and that one goes on like an epic. So, Swami. Please. Um, was the, were these, you know, songs of praise to the Gita, were these like, you know, uh, Shruti? No, this is Smriti. Gita is Smriti. Shruti is Vedas. Shruti is that which was heard. So that was the revelation, the word as it was revealed, the original mantras that came in revelation to the rishis was Sruti, and later that name Sruti was applied to all the Vedic knowledge because Vedas were passed from guru to disciple by recitation. So the guru would recite a mantra and the disciple would recite the mantra and then it, was, it belonged to the disciple. 
uh, we no are not so fat. There were no books at that time. So they yeah. memorized it. <laughs> you find remnants uh, of that in the names of some of the Brahmin families, uh, Chaturved, uh, Chattopadhyay, uh, who knew four Vedas. Trivedi is a title, a family title. Who knew three of the Vedas? Mukhapadhyay, or Mukarji. Mukhapadhyay, the chief or the foremost of the learned. Uh, now, what, what the tradition was to memorize the Vedas. Memorize it. Shruti, you hear it, and it's yours. Of course, their minds weren't encumbered by so much of the stuff of modern life so that they were so focused they would hear it. And that was it. It was theirs. But uh, in olden time, you know, the king provides the Brahman. Now they, nobody provides Brahman. Well, Srima provides the Brahmins. Uh, uh. So uh, Smriti is that which was remembered, recollected. And those are what followed from the Vedas. And what happened was, of course, uh, all of the Vedas, the Vedas had four parts. There, there was um, uh, Samhita, which are the hymns of the Vedas. And uh, Brahmana were the texts uh, that, that described how do you perform the pujas. Uh, uh, how do you... Hmm? No, Brahmanas. They describe padoti, the systems of worship. Uh, and the aranyak uh, are the stories of the rishis that lived in the forest. And the Upanishad is a synthesis of the philosophy. So each of the Vedas had four parts, Samhita, Brahmana, Oranyak, and uh, Upanishad. Now, these were separate works. And what happened was in the Puranas, they collected them all together. And they told a story of a rishi who went off into the forest Aranyak, and performed this puja, Brahmana. And in that puja, he sang this hymn, Samhita, which evolved into a discourse on this much philosophy, Upanishad. And the, the Puranas were collections, an attempt to translate the Vedic knowledge to update it for the common people of that era. So they collected all of this knowledge and they put it together into one synthesis, which had a storyline. And it taught about the puja and it taught about the philosophy and it sang the hymns. Now, the, uh, from the Puranas, of course, we come into the epics, uh, which was another way to update it again just like the volume that we're holding in our hand, is a retranslation. Well, in the epics, they told a, uh, an epic story. 
Uh, and in this epic story, you have a character like Arjun and uh, the five Pandavas, and we, we have the whole history of their lineage and their kingdom and what happened. And then throughout, they're meeting characters who are giving them wisdom and telling them to do puja, and this is how you do the puja, and this is the hymn that you'll sing, and this is the philosophy that it expresses. So the Bhagavad Gita is 700 verses of uh, Mahabharata, which is 100,000 verses long. And it's an epic because it tells the whole genealogy of all the kings and all the relations and all the generations and who he was in the last life and how he came into this body and, how he, and what he did in this body and how he came into the next body and how all these Pandavas came to this battlefield where the Bhagavad Gita is being shared. So they updated it again. Now when they updated it, they took the cream from all the Upanishads. And you'll find many verses lifted intact, in toto. You can find co a complete correspondence from Upanishads, which were written at least 2000 BC, to uh, uh, a, 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 verses in the Bhagavad Gita, which express exactly word for word the same thing. Yes, yes, you find verses from Kato Upanishad, from Chandogya Upanishad, uh, from Kenya Upanishad. You find many, many verses lifted in total and cut and pasted right into the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Anishtup is one of Vedic meters. Remember, Gayatri, Ushnik, Anishtup, Trishtup, Jagati, Brihati, and Ponti. These are the seven meters uh, which are Vedic. And then there are many variations. There's Ekapad, the Ponti, and the Dvipad, the Trishtup, and et cetera, et cetera, that may multiply them. But there are seven basic meters of which Anishtup is a primary meter. Oh, no, no, no. The, the Upanishads are definitely in meter. And all the Vedas? All the Vedas are in that way, too. Uh, if you'd like to go through them, I have a, a very nice set. Uh, yes, please. Do the seven rishis have a propensity to a particular meter, or they're all They're all conscience, conscious. Uh, the seven rishis knew the, the four Vedas. Actually, at that time, there was only one Veda. There was Vedic knowledge. It was Veda Vyas, many years later, that divided them and classified them. This belongs to Rig Veda, the knowledge of hymns. This is Yajur Veda, the knowledge of sacrifice. This is Sama Veda, the knowledge of song. This is Atharva Veda, the knowledge of the perfection of life. Uh, so they divided it later. So the original seven rishis knew all the Vedic literature. What happened was they passed on to their disciples and said, okay, learn this. And the disciples said, I can't remember all that. Would you give me one part of it and give her one part? And that's called the branch or shaka. So they divided into branches. Now the branches got smaller and smaller as they got farther away from the root. And uh, they developed into gotras, which are the, the, the 
the evolution of Vedic knowledge, of the dispensing of Vedic knowledge, came from the seven rishis who knew it all, to the shakas who had a branch, to the gotras who had a, uh, a twig. Traditionally, there are 51 gotras. However, it's multiplied way beyond that. So I can't tell you how many there are now. Um, shakas, that too. Uh, the, I believe originally the seven rishis divided into seven, uh, they had seven shakas each, which was 49 branches. So each of the branches was presided over. They had a basic theme, uh, the, the various philosophies of Nyaya, Boisheshika, uh, Shankya, Yoga, Purvamimangsha, um, uh, and Uttarimangsha. These six themes, if you put Charbak in there, then you have the seven philosophies that go with the seven shakas, which were multiplied by the seven rishis, and you have 49 different variations. Everything from the grossest materialist philosophy to the highest idealist philosophy, and everything in between. Uh, because it's all included in the Vedas. Totally, totally. Uh, you know, just like Epicurus was anything but an Epicurean. Uh, in the same way, Charbaka, as he expressed uh, the uh, the philosophy of, of perception, it didn't mean just go out and enjoy. Uh, what he was saying was, all that we know is what we perceive. Everything that's in our mind was once in our senses. You can't think about anything that hasn't been perceived, that doesn't have form or s smell or taste. Rasa, rupi, chikandi, chasabdi, sparsheti, yogini. It has to have rup, ras, gandha, sparsabda. Form, taste, rup, ras, gandha, smell, touch, and sight. Hearing, sound. Well, no, the most gross is Charvak. Charvak says everything that was once in your mind, everything that is in your mind was once in your senses. So all you know, all you think about, is stuff that can be sensorily perceived. Vedanta, Shankarachai. There's only one. Everything else is an illusion. Yes. Well, there are a few of them, like a Patanjali. Uh, he wrote in blank verse, but uh, you know, for the most part, every one of them is in meter. Absolutely. And not only that, but in the classical Sanskrit or in the Vedic Sanskrit, there are four criteria, whereas in modern Sanskrit, there are only three. In modern Sanskrit, you talk about the meaning, and you talk about the meaner. Uh, and you talk about um, um, uh, the meter, the meaning, the meter, and the, um, uh, the rhyme. Those are the three criteria of modern poetry. The meaning, the meter, and the rhyme. And in Vedic Sanskrit, they talk about the tone. 
not only the rhyme of the word, but the tone of the word, and whether it's a, a, how many beats do you hold it for, and how much, uh, um, what is the intonation of the word. So when you choose a word, you choose the tone of the word, and the bob of the word, and the meaning of the word, and the rhyme of the word, and the, and the meter, all this goes into the selection of the word. Which is different from us who write poetry, we write the meaning and the meter. So we, th their poetry is even more sublime. And, uh, when you uh, listen to Vedic Sanskrit chanted with Udgit, uh, you, you can hear the tones that, that they're disseminating. They're sharing this tone, this bhava of the word. Well, that's why they're rishis. Well, they're not half human, half God, but they're just a perfect... A perfect channel. It's working out of these I'm not qualified to comment. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Always thinking, oh, I had to make this and this and this perfect. There weren't seven men sitting down contemplating like this. Well, I, I can only tell you from my experience, when Mother says to translate a book, I have to go into a bhava and step out of the way. And if I can't go, go into a bhava and step out of the way, it'll take me years to, to write one Bhagavad Gita. The, the only... The, the pure attitude is the illumination of truth. So that's this greatness of the Gita. And I guess uh, uh, tomorrow we'll go on, we'll study the Nyasa, and maybe we can get into chapter one a little bit. Uh, are there any other questions about the greatness of the Gita? That, uh, that verse where it says, if you want to go to the Rudra Loka? Yes. <laughs> it's a nice place. <laughs> I said I'm going to go there. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, go ahead and read one chapter. But uh, you have to read this chapter? No, well, yeah, yeah, read this chapter and then read another one. This chapter, one chapter, and then this one again. Yeah, that's, the point that's cool, yeah, with devotion. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this is the, the preface to, to the 700 verses. So what, what you would read would be a chapter actually of the Gita? Yes, that's what it says. Uh, see, Gita is different from Chandi. Gita says, read a chapter. <laughs> Gita says, read one letter. <laughs> one, you learned ah, e, e. You just studied one letter of the Gita. Ah. <laughs> if you will study seven verses, five verses, four verses, two, three, or one, or even a half verse, hmm. 
you will return to the realms of the moon for 10 million years of Dhruva. Now, Dhruva, when you get married, the first thing we do with a married couple is take them outside and show them Orundati and Dhruva. Uh, they're the two stars uh, in the sky. What do you call Orundati uh, in English? Uh, Orundati is uh, uh, in the, st in the, uh, in the s uh, stars. What, what star is she in English? I don't remember. Uh, there, or, uh, Dhruva, I remember, is the North Star, the Pole Star. And um, Orundati is some other star that's up there all night long, all the time. And you go out and you show Orundati first because Orundati is the epitome of devotion to her husband. Yeah. I mean, it was because of Orundati that Boshishta became Boshishta. Boshishta, uh, who has established, Bosh means to establish within or to make to sit to control Ishta, his desires. He's got the desire within, or he's controlled all his desires. Boshishta became Boshishta because of the Shakti of Arundhati, because of the purity of her devotion and her surrender and her love was so great that Boshishta became Boshishta. So, and Dhruva is the epitome of truth and surrender. He surrendered himself. His guru uh, was dragged down to, uh, to the lower worlds because of uh, his inconsistent behavior. And Dhruva went down to hell to get his guru back because he was so devoted to his guru. So when anybody gets married, the first thing we do is show them Orundati and Dhruva because we've got to be so devoted to truth that you're willing to sacrifice all you love so that you'll even go to hell in order to bring your loved one back. And you show Orundati because that inspires uh, uh, us to become so surrendered that uh, we make ourselves into Boshishta, make our partner into Boshishta who has controlled the desire, who has established the desire within themselves. No, he, he became the star. He became the star because of his karma on, on earth, and he was given the boon, okay, you go and live in the higher worlds and shine on earth and radiate your truth. Now, for 10 million years of Dhruva, who is eternally young, <laughs> that's a neat one. You know, he's not going to age. So 10 million years of Dhruva, who's never going to change his age, means a long time. <laughs> If you study just one chapter, one letter, one verse, 10 million years of Druva, hmm, that's pretty cool. Good blessing. Yeah, he's eternally young. Yeah. We that's, are so lucky. Yeah, we are lucky. Because mm -hmm. she gave us ways by which to focus our attention into satsang, a communion with truth. And that's why we're lucky, because there's a way. Because you, you know what it's like out there. You could forget very easily. Someone would say, you're not a sage, you're not a rishi, you're not a sadhu, you're, you're an employee <laughs> in this factory. 
And you're not divine. We're not here to be divine. You're here to get my job done. <laughs> it's very possible for people to say that to us when we go outside. And then we come back and she gave us a way. It's called scripture, Shastra. Shastra, the weapon with which we cut apart all attachments to worldliness. Remember Shankaracharya's advice, do not accept an attitude of worldliness. And these are the shastras, the weapons by which we can free ourselves from that attitude of worldliness. We can cut apart that attitude of worldliness. Yeah. Yeah, shastra is, is a weapon. These are the weapons. They're the astras. The shastras. Take the astra. The weapons of peace. Please. Sometimes. It can be a weapon of peace, or it can be a weapon of excitement, or it can be a weapon of ins ins instigating various emotions. But often it is. We're trying to use it as one, even where we inspire different emotions. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Jai Gita. Jai Gita. It helps in editing that project, and we'll put it on uh, uh, a CD or a cassette or something. Yeah. Uh -huh.